I want you to take your Bibles and look with me tonight to the book of Micah. Now, I know that's a strange book for most people. That's one of the minor prophets, but he's got a major message. If you don't know where Micah is, it's page 1265. Amen. And um, the book of Micah is about four books before you reach Malachi. So if you know where Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, just go there. Go back toward Genesis and you'll run into Malachi. If you get to Jonah, you've gone too far. Turn back and go toward Malachi. That's the best way I can tell you to get there. Amen. Micah. The book of Micah. Chapter number 6 tonight for the reading of God's Word. Micah chapter 6 and verse number 6. I'm going to read verses 6, 7, and 8. Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? And he is high and lifted up, isn't he? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves of a year old? Will the Lord, he asked a question now, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or maybe with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Or shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So Micah's asking these questions. What, what would it take to please the Lord? And that's the title of my message tonight, What It Takes to Please the Lord. And here it is right here in verse number 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to notice this, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. And I want to talk to you tonight about the three things that really pleases God. The three things that really pleases God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to us tonight. And I thank you for the word that's been given to us tonight. And I pray that, Lord, I would rightly divide the word of truth tonight. I pray, God, that your spirit... And your anointing, Lord, but fill this place tonight as the word goes forth, Lord, and let us leave here with changed hearts and changed lives. Lord, and we'll give you praise that your word never returns void, but it accomplishes what you said it to do, and I'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord dealt with me about these verses of Scripture a number of years ago when I was living in Dothan, Alabama. I was the pastor of Northside Assembly of God in Dothan, and I want to tell you I was living right, I was doing things right, I was living an exemplary life before the Lord. I was being a good Christian. And, you know, we think being a good Christian is paying our tithes, is coming to church, regular church attendance. It's uh, having a prayer life and having a Bible life. And they, this is true. All these things are wonderful and good if you're a Christian. Amen. But when God wants to take you a little bit deeper than you are with him, he will begin to show scriptures to you and point out things to you that really pleases him. And my whole life now is about pleasing the Lord. I want the Lord, I want the Lord to be pleased with everything I do, everything I say, everywhere I go. I want to bring God glory, honor, and praise because I owe the Lord my life. Amen. Now, I don't know how some of you feel, but if it wasn't for the Lord, if the Lord had not been on my side, I wouldn't even be standing up here tonight. I'd be in a grave somewhere. God's mercy and grace and kindness to me has extended far beyond anything I could ever give back to him. And I find myself many times when I'm praying in the daytime saying this little phrase. And I'm not saying this just to sound religious tonight or, or say something, you know, that just sounds good. I find myself all the time saying, Lord, I owe you my life. Just in the middle of my prayer, I'll say, Lord, I owe you my life. And it's the truth. I owe the Lord my life. And uh, here in this book of uh, Mal uh, Mal Micah, here in this passage of Scripture, the people of Israel thought that they upped the quantity of their works, it would please God. Then they, they say here in verse number 6, so would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and with ten thousands of rivers of oil? In other words, they thought if they upped the quantity of their works, 
This would please God. But God plainly spoke to them through the prophet Micah. And he said, let me show you what the Lord requires of you. And there's three things that the Lord requires. He said, I want you to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Israel thought if they could just do outward churchy things that so many people do, that this would please God, would get his attention, would even impress God. Can I tell you, what we do for the Lord does not impress him. Who we are is what impresses him. I've found out that the Lord's more interested in working in me than he is working through me many times. And I thank God for the change that's coming to my life. Pastor Loper, when he got me in 1981, I'd been an underground coal miner for eight and a half years. I was raised in a place called Bull City, Alabama. Don't that sound country? And it is. I was raised with moonshiners, bootleggers, uh, just rough bunch of people. That's all I knew. And uh, when God got a hold of me, he took an old chunk of coal, and he's trying to make a diamond out of it now. But anyway, I came, and I'd sit at Garywood Assembly of God, and Pastor Loper would preach a message, and I would go to the altar, get down on my knees, and the Holy Spirit would begin to deal with me about certain things. He would say, quit talking this way and start talking that way. Quit watching this show and start watching this. Quit listening to this kind of music. Start listening to this. And let me tell you what, that's not bondage, friends. That's freedom because God is trying to transform our life and to make us into the kind of person that he can use for his glory. And if you don't come to the altar and let God work in you, you'll never become what God wants you to become. So don't ever be afraid to come to the altar and repent, Get right with God. I need to get saved every week now, and I'm a pastor, amen. And if you deal with some of the sheep, you'll need to get saved every week too. Say amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. In this passage of Scripture, the Lord plainly speaks to us. And he says, let me show you what I expect of you. And I dare you to misinterpret this verse of Scripture here, uh, verse number 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. You know what? And I want to please the Lord. You know, I, I, I want to please the Lord. I'm not worried about pleasing men. I'm not worried really about pleasing my church, although I do try to do that. I'm not worried about pleasing my denomination. Amen. I want to know what pleases God. Amen. Because one of these days, each and every one of us are going to stand before the Lord by ourselves. Pastor Loper's not going to be on my right. Brother Jerry's not going to be on my left. I'm going to be standing there by myself. And I want to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's what I'm wanting to hear, but I'm probably going to hear, Well, come on in, Eddie. You gave it your best shot, son. <laughs> Amen. But I, I know you did it out of your heart, so just come on in. But anyway, I want to do what pleases the Lord. Amen. And I want to talk to you just a few minutes about these three things. Amen. He tells us in plain language what the Lord expects of us. He says, I'm going to tell you what I expect of you, and I expect you to, well, God's changed. <laughs> oh, no, he hasn't, friends. God hasn't changed. Society has changed. Churches have changed. The Pope changes every few years. But the foundation of God stands sure. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is infallible, immutable, unalterable, unchangeable. And God says, let me tell you what I expect of you. And what he said 3,000, 4,000 years ago when this was penned, he still expects that out of us today, amen, in 2018. And uh, he says, the first thing I want you to do justly. What is doing justly? 
Doing justly is just doing the right thing at the right time. Even when others and society is not doing the right thing, God expects his children to do the right thing, to do justly. Amen? Um, he expects us to treat our brothers and our sisters right. Matter of fact, he, he expects us to treat our fellow men right. And if he expects us to treat our fellow man right in society right, how much more does he expect us to treat our brothers and our sisters in the Lord right? Amen. So he says, I want you to do justly. That means don't try to be sneaky. Don't try to be conniving. Don't try to pull something over on somebody. Be up front. Be a man of your word. Be a woman of your word. Do justly. God says, I expect you to do justly. Don't slander people. Be a person of your word. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, we need to do it. I, I, I could ask for a show of hands tonight for everybody that's um, over the age of 50, and I'll guarantee you that everybody in here over the age of 50 would say, when we grew up, when a man gave you his word, you could count on it. All you had to do was shake hands with him, and it would be done. Now we have to write up a contract for $5 because society has changed so much, but God has not changed, and God says, I want you, I expect you to do justly. Amen. And I want to be a man of my word. When I took West Highland Assembly of God four years ago, I made sure, especially the first year I was there, Brother Jerry, that if I told somebody I was going to do something, I did it. Amen. I mean, I, I, if somebody was in the hospital and I said, I'm coming to visit you, bless God, you better believe I kept my word. Amen. Because if your word isn't good, the rest of you is no good. So God says, I want you to do justly. I want you to do what's expected of you and do it right. Amen. And, uh, you know, this society that we're living in has expectations of the wrong kind. You know, it, society now expects you to have an affair on your wife. I mean, they really do. They, they, people are in the world that don't have any concept about the Word, don't have any concept about God or, or church or anything. That, that society expects when people get married that they're just going to have an affair on their wife. They expect people to cheat somebody out of something or try to get something for nothing. And we're living in a generation that thinks they're entitled to everything. Uh, I, you know what, I don't tell you what, we get, we get things by W-O-R-K, work, amen. I've had a job ever since I was about 10 years of age. I mean, I used to cut uh, grass on the side of riverbanks with a sling blade, push lawnmowers. I dug ditches. I mean, you talking about work. I had to work when I was a little child, when I was a little kid, and I come on up through my teenage years. I had to work and work hard. I didn't have a sense of entitlement that, you know, Daddy, I want that car. I want you to buy me for it. Matter of fact, he would have killed me if I'd have said that to him. I mean, anyway, but I, I, I knew that if I, had, if I was going to get a car, I was going to have to work for it. I wasn't entitled to it. But we're living in a society now that thinks that they just are entitled. Just because we're Americans, we ought to have the best of everything when we want it, how we want it. We don't want to work for it. But God says, that ain't the way I operate. God says, I want you to do justly. I want you to set an example. Don't slander people. Be a person of your word. Set an example before the younger generation. Don't let the world pull you into its mode. The world's trying to make its appeal on Christians today. They're trying to get you in the dilemma. They're trying to get you in the mess that they're in. And you don't have to go very far to find out that's true. Even in Alabama, that's true. People are trying to get you and suck you into their mode and try to get you to accept their ways and to do the way they think. And I talked about that this morning. We've never seen a day and an hour when there's so much corruption. We've never seen a day and an hour when our leadership, our president, is hated the way he is. 
And by the way, let me put in a plug for you to pray, pray, pray for the next Supreme Court justice that's going to be put into play. Very important. I've already called my church to prayer. Matter of fact, we celebrated July the 4th last weekend, and we had a special time of prayer for President Trump, for President Pence, and for the next Supreme Court justice nominee because that is very important, and God expects us to do justly and pray for our leadership. Amen. You need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for the future of this church. You need to pray for everything. You need to do justly. God says, I expect you to do justly. And that means doing the right thing all the time, whether the society's doing it or not, whether your neighbor's doing it or not, whether your kinfolks are doing it or not. God says, what I'm expecting, if you want to please me, do the right thing. Do justly. Treat people right. Treat people the way you want to be treated, and you will please the Lord. And I want to please the Lord, don't you? Amen. Number two, he said, I want you to do justice, but I want you to love mercy. And I want you to notice the word in here. Love is, I guess, is one of the strongest or maybe the strongest human emotion that we know as humans. Love. God says, I want you to love mercy. Listen carefully here. He said, when it comes to mercy, I don't want you to just try to have it. <laughs> he said, I, you know, when it comes to mercy, I don't want you to just give it to those that you love. He said, I want you to give it to those who are unlovable. I want you to give it to those that nobody cares about, that nobody wants to be around them. Why? Because God extended mercy to us. Amen. God extended it to us. He gave it to us when we didn't deserve it. It was love that nailed him to the tree. Amen. When I didn't deserve it, God said, my hands were fixed to the cross for you. When you didn't deserve it, my hands were extended and reaching out to you. And he expects you and I to love mercy. Pastor Loper has shown me so much mercy. After I went through my divorce in 2003, I lost my way. Somebody said, well, you shouldn't have done that, Brother Eddie. Well, walk a mile in somebody's shoes and then come talk to me. I got so discouraged and I got so depressed that I didn't want to see the sun come up the next day. And I had given up on myself. I didn't blame anything on God. The only thing I did right during that whole time is I was like Job. I never charged God foolishly about anything that was going on in my life. Because, yes, part of that was my mistakes, too. Part of that was my problem. But the enemy come, and he piled on me, and he told me what a low life I was, what, how, how I was unworthy to preach, how I was unworthy to be in the ministry, how nobody loved me, nobody wanted to be around me. I used to lay in my bed at night and fight demons all night long. I would take five Tylenol PMs and try to go to sleep because I couldn't sleep because my mind would not cut off. And I would do that, and about two hours later, I'd have to take five more. And about two hours, I'd have to take five more of them to try to knock myself out because demonic power would come into my bedroom and just like stabbing me with swords all night long. This went on for months and months and months until I got to the place where I, I, I was really, I just, I, I, I'd lay in the bed sometimes and cry and say, Lord, just take me to heaven. Just, just or forgive me and cleanse me and just take me on. I, I just don't want to live this way anymore. And some of you may not have been there, but I'm saying all this not to, for you to feel sorry for me. What I'm telling you is, is I'm here because of the mercy and the grace and the love of God and some people that still believed in me. Amen. People like John Loper that came along beside me and put his arm around me and said, Hey, Eddie, God called you into the ministry. God still got a call in your life. God still loves you. Not him and not just only him, but my my my. Some of my best friends, Travis Biddle, people like that, reached out to me and shown me mercy. They showed me mercy. I'm here 
because of the mercy and the grace of God. And you know what, Brother Jonathan? My church will tell you, I am a dispenser of mercy. I'm going to err on the side of mercy. I don't care what a person's done. I don't care how bad it's been. I don't care how ugly it's got. Let's be dispensers of mercy. Amen. I love mercy. And I love to extend mercy because mercy has been extended to me. We need to show genuine compassion to people that are going through hard times. We need to show genuine compassion and kindness to those that are hurting, those that are bruised, those that are dying. Amen. You may have talents. You may have abilities. You may be able to sing. You may be able to preach. You may be able to be to prophesy, whatever it is. But listen, not everybody has those kind of gifts. But let me tell you what God put compassion in us. God put kindness in us, and we can all show compassion and kindness. If you can't do anything else, you say, Brother Eddie, I don't have a gift. Well, show kindness and compassion, and God will be pleased with you. He said, I want you to love mercy. I want that to settle into your mind just a minute now. I know this isn't a shouting, jumping up and down, running around the aisle message tonight, but I'm just telling you what God, if you want to please God, do justly and love mercy. Treat your fellow man the way God has treated you. My goodness, I, I could ask for everybody and go down row by row and ask you to stand up and tell of an instance where God showed mercy to you. Where you, where you messed up, where you made a mistake, where you, you, you thought it couldn't be fixed. Man, I, never, I thought at a point in my life, I thought when I was going through what I just described to you, I thought that I would never preach again. I thought that I would never get married again. I, I ne- didn't have an idea that the Lord would ever send me another wife. <laughs> and God... Moved Marlene all the way from Israel to New York, the state of New York, all the way to Dothan, Alabama, and put her in my life. You tell me there ain't a God in heaven. Amen. Only God can do that, church. I'm here to tell you when God loves you, he, he, he loves you with an unspeakable love, and God expects you and I to have that same kind of love, that same kind of compassion, that same kind of mercy. He said, if you want to please me, I'm going to show you what's good. Do justly and love mercy. Jesus, the Bible says, six different instances in the Bible, the Bible says the Lord Jesus healed the multitudes. Now, I want you to notice the wording. He healed the multitudes because he was moved with compassion. I thought about that, Brother Langford. Now, I know if he had a whole crowd of people, not everybody probably deserved mercy, but God gave it anyway. Jesus gave it anyway. And sometimes you're going to meet people that's going to come into this church, and, you know, you may not think they deserve mercy. But God's expecting us to give it anyway. This shall, shall all men know you're my disciples if you do what? Have love one for another. The only way that the lost is going to know that there's a difference in the evangel assembly is because you have love one for another. And I, I'm not. I, I'm going to brag on my church. I guess I am. I've got one of the sweetest, kindest, most loving churches in the whole United States of America. My church runs about 70 people on a Sunday, and uh, that's, I'd say that's an average. And they have, I have modeled it, I have shown it, amen, and I have modeled it. And, and my, my church, amen, models love and compassion and mercy, and I'm so proud of them. I don't, care if they're, I don't care what color they are, I don't care what denomination they come from, I don't care what economic background they come from, they are welcome at West Highland Assembly of God, and we try to extend mercy and love to them because God has extended so much mercy and so much love to me. I can't help but be a dispenser. Of mercy and love. Amen. I got to reading about David. You know what David? David was a mighty man of God. He was a man after God's own heart. But I want to remind you. And the Holy Spirit showed me this about David. David. First of all. Not only was a great king. 
But before he became a great king, he was a great warrior. He was a great fighter. And David, in all of his battles, killed many people. And during that time of his life, he got a little cold. He got a little hard toward people. Because when you're, a, when you're in the military, if you've ever met a military man, they're by the book, you know. You be here at 8 o'clock. You be here at 10 after 8. You be here at 8.15. And if you're not, they get upset at you because they're just rigid like that and kind of hard military men are. And David was a military man, and he, got, he was a little hard. The Holy Spirit showed this to me. He was a little hard until he had his downfall with Bathsheba. And if you'll read Psalms 51, after he had that affair with Bathsheba, put her husband out on the front lines and had him killed, he, after that took place, you read, his, you read the book of Psalms after 51, and he will talk about in every, almost every book of Psalms after that, he talks about the mercy and the grace and the love of God because it changed who he was. And if you ever go through something like that, it will change your life. It will make you into a different person. And David, we read, I read over and over and over in his Psalms where he was a changed man, where he talked about the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God. And I don't know about you, but I love mercy, grace, and forgiveness. Amen. He was a changed man. He, he was a little callous before then, but after he walked through that, he was a changed man, and he extended mercy many, many times after he went through his uh, walk with his mess up, if you want to call it that. Amen. But I want to talk about doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly before your God. This is what, please, you want to please the Lord? Do those three things. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Uh, one of these days that the Lord will allow me to, I'm going to write a book on the power of humility, the power found in humility. The Lord has bought me a mighty long way in 37 years. I got saved in 1981, and for 37 years, he's been working on me in this area. And I haven't arrived there yet, but I tell you what, I'm a long ways down the highway than when I grew up, man, just looking for a fight. And Brother Loper knows that I'm telling the truth. You, you, you asked, go, down to, go down to Lock 17 down in that area, down to that area of the river, and ask about my kin folks. They'll tell you. And we, we were just rough folks, man. And God had to work on me and work on me and work on me, amen, to change my heart. And I, I, I want to walk humbly now, amen? I want the Lord to clothe me in humility. And I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about a really a humility that God is pleased with, amen? Because humility is a powerful thing. And um, I want to put on humility every morning. And my wife has taught me more about that than any person <laughs> that I've ever been around. Marlene, what, I, what attracted me to her more than anything else was the humility of her heart. Humility has, a it has an exceptional beauty about it. If you, if you see the humility of somebody on the inside, you're drawn toward that if you're a Christian, amen. If you're a Christian, you're drawn toward humility. So the world is not drawn to humility. They're drawn to in your face, and I'm going to shove it down your throat. You're gonna do but if you're a Christian, and you've got the Spirit of God inside you, you will be drawn to humility. I remember when... Marlene and I first started talking to each other on the phone. She was in New York. I was in Birmingham, Alabama. And I was living in this little basement apartment. And I would walk around in that apartment, and, and I'm not saying this to sound spiritual. I would walk around and pray for hours in this apartment, just all day sometimes, just talking to the Lord. And the Lord made a spirit of loneliness come upon me, and God brought Marlene into my life. And when I got her phone number, it's kind of funny. The first time I ever called her, she speaks four languages, and she's got a real thick accent, and I'm from, she, she still ain't got Alabamian down yet. 
<laughs> Amen. But anyway, uh, the first time I called Marlene, she's so quiet, so gentle, so loving, and she had been done so wrong by her ex, and I don't want to get into that whole story, treated her awful, was a Church of God preacher, ran off and left her for a girl 30, uh, 17 years younger than she was, cheated on her time after time. She took him back three times, and that man went and run off, left Marlene in Israel by herself. And my friend, Javetta Saunders, who was Marlene's friend before I met Javetta, Javetta had gone over to Israel and had stayed in Marlene's house many times. And anyway, she started telling me about what kind of person Marlene was. And she would call Marlene. She was playing matchmaker. <laughs> and she would call Marlene and tell her say about me. About, she said, he's a really a man of God and loves the Lord and he prays and he does right and all this stuff. And Marlene was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard that story before. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was married to that kind of person. And so the first time I called her, Brother David, I called her up on the phone and... Uh, I talked for four minutes, and uh, we, I talked to her for five minutes, and I talked four minutes and 30 seconds of it. <laughs> and, and I would make, make a conversation, she would say, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, like, yeah, I really believe you, amen. But after a while, we kept talking to one another, and when I was living in this little basement apartment, the times that I would feel drawn to her would not be the time I was on the phone with her. It would be the times I would be in prayer. When I would be in prayer, the Holy Spirit would just draw me to her. That's how you know when you get a God connection then. I was drawn to her in prayer because of her humility and her kindness and her sweetness and her gentleness. To me, that's the most beautiful attribute a person can have. And I, I, she's she, she kind of helped me in that area a little bit, but I still need a little work, Brother Jerry. But I, I'm getting there, praise God. But it was because of Marlene's humility that drew me to her, amen, more than anything else was her humility. So there is power in humility, y'all. Don't be afraid to... Not have to have your way all the time. Don't be afraid of not being going around being a know-it-all. You know, people's got know-it-all-itis. They know more than you. They forgot more than you'll ever know. And they'll make sure you know that too. And they, God gets no glory in that. Amen. God is drawn and will bless humility. Amen. And so he said, I want you to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. If you really want to be like Jesus, you need to learn to walk humbly before your God. Amen. And there's a lots of false humility in the church, can I tell you that? I mean, there, there's some people that put on an air that they're so humble, but inside, <laughs> when you get to know them a little bit, you'll find out the real them. And everybody in here knows somebody that I'm talking about. That hopefully they don't go to church here. <laughs> but all of you have encountered people like that. Pastor Loper's encountered probably hundreds of them over his lifetime. Brother Jerry, as long as he's been in the ministry, has probably encountered hundreds of them. Amen. I've encountered a number of them myself. False humility. God gets no glory in that. See, humility comes from an inward attitude of the heart. It's not something you can just change. You know, you can't have a, you can't have a seminar or a revival on humility and just expect people to get it. You can't have a, 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 a seminar on compassion and think, you know, people just going to be dispensed compassion. You get compassion and humility by spending time with Jesus. If you want the Lord to use you and make you great in His sight, Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Spend time with Jesus. You can't be in the presence of Jesus in your prayer time and not put on a sense of humility because you realize how wicked, how unworthy we are, and the Jesus that we serve is so humble and so godly. You can't help but let it change you from the inside out. But I'm talking about the three things that pleases the Lord tonight. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. 
when I came back to the Lord and really made a commitment to Him after I walked through that hard time of going through that divorce and leaving the ministry and getting discouraged, when I, when I really turned my heart back to the Lord, and I mean really turned my heart back to the Lord, in June of 2011, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, start reading the book of Proverbs every month. So every month from June of 2011 until this month right here, I have read the book of Proverbs through every month. It's got 31 chapters in it. I read a chapter every day. When I finish it, I go back and start it over again and again and again. And I think it's around 80 times that I've read the book of Proverbs through. And in January of this year, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, start reading Ecclesiastes every month. So I read the book of Ecclesiastes through twice every month. And you know, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon, who was the smartest man who ever lived. If Solomon was uh, in the world today, you'd have to pay $1,000 an hour just to go sit in one of his seminars because he was so brilliant. But God gave us everything he knows in a book. And let me tell you something about the book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes was written in Solomon's old age. And how many of you know people like Brother Lankford and Brother Loper that's been around the block a few times, that's got a little snow on the mountain? <laughs> they have got wisdom just from their age. But when you, when you combine wisdom with the Word of God, you've really got something special. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote that book when he was in his elderly years. And man, you're talking about just packed with wisdom. I read that a book of Ecclesiastes through two times every month because it's only got 12 chapters in it. So I just keep reading it, and I keep reading the book of Proverbs. And that's not, and I read my Bible through every year, too, on top of that. But that book of Proverbs, just reading that book of Proverbs will change your life. It has radically changed my life. Because you can't read the book of Proverbs with, without dealing with subjects like this. God says, I hate a high look. Y'all ever met somebody with their nose stuck up in the air so high? If it come and rain, it drowned them. <laughs> I have. Amen. God says, I hate high, a high look. I hate haughty eyes. I hate a superior attitude. I hate know-it-all eyes. That's a southern expression there. But God says in the book of Proverbs, he talks about that all through the book of Proverbs, about what impresses God is being humble before him. Amen. And I, I, I hope you'll take this to heart tonight. Amen. Because we know the opposite of humility is pride. Pride is the foundation sin for all other sin. Every sin in a person's life can be traced back to pride, some form of pride. And we need to be as afraid of pride as we are a rattlesnake. Amen. We need to run from pride. We need to run. And when God deals with you about something in your life that's kind of prideful, don't act like he's not speaking to you because, trust me, he's speaking to you. I, I've, I've, the Lord has dealt with me sometimes, and, you know, I'm a little high-strung. Of course, I'm not nowhere near as high-strung as I used to be, but I, there's been a time or two, I hate to admit this, but there's been a time or two I've kind of smarted off to my wife because she's so sweet and so gentle. But I'm, let me tell you what, I'm very cautious about how I handle Marlene because Marlene is so gentle and so sweet and so kind that I could just bully her around and run over her. I refuse to do that. I'm never going to let myself do that. I try to treat her with humility because I know that's how God wants me to treat. And I try to treat my fellow man with humility. I err on the side of humility now, amen, because that's what pleases the Lord. And that's what will please God if you will do that, amen. He said, matter of fact, he said, I'll exalt the humble. But he said, I'll abase the prideful people. I'll put them down, amen. And there's exceptional beauty in humility. There is an exceptional beauty in humility. Sometimes it takes a person years to get it. God will work with them and work with them. and work. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit don't give up on us as quick as people do. 
Amen. If the Holy Spirit gave up on me as quick as some people did, I wouldn't be standing up here tonight proclaiming a word. This is a timely word for everybody in here tonight. Three things that the Lord doth require. You will never forget this, I believe, as long as you live. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. That's, that's my goal in life. That's really my goal in life because I want to please the Lord in everything that I do. Amen. And I haven't arrived, but I'm, I'm getting there, praise God. I won't never arrive because nobody never does, but I'm going to continue to try to make progress in these, in these areas. I want to be filled with grace. I want to be filled with kindness. I want my words to be like apples of gold in pictures of silver. I want to have something positive to say to somebody. I want to put my arm around somebody and say, hey, we're going to make it. If God ever sends me to evangel assembly up here to come to this church, be a part of this church, I'm going to do my best to model what I'm preaching tonight. And, and I'm going to do my best to be the pastor's best friend. Amen. Pastor Loper knows I'll put my money where my mouth is as far as that goes because I know that that will please the Lord. Amen. We are to help one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. I, I mean, I, I meet Christians sometimes that just breaks my heart when they say, somebody's walking through something, they'll say something like this. Yeah, I knew he was going to do it. All right. You know what? I, just let them. Just let them go ahead and mess up, and that, that'll teach everybody else. So they don't have to go through that kind of attitude. God hates that kind of mess. But I, I've had people that I've met that are supposed to be Christian to say, "Yeah, I knew they was gonna mess up. Didn't didn't believe in them. God, God, God knows the worst about us and believes the best. Sometimes people know the best about you and still believe the worst. Amen. But God wants us to walk humbly before Him. We need to be filled with grace and with thankfulness. Amen." Knowing that we don't earn anything from God. It's just God's grace, God's mercy, and God's kindness that we get anywhere with Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Hallelujah. Even if God has given you a talent, given you ability, don't think it's you doing it. Be humble enough to give it back to God and say, God, I thank you for what little bit of gifting I have. I want to give it back to you, and I want to use it for your glory. I don't know about y'all, but I'm to the age now. I'm not worried about impressing anybody. I'm not worried about, I don't know what all to say on that. Y'all can kind of read between the lines. Amen. I want to finish this race pleasing the Lord. I'm talking about what pleases the Lord tonight. And I'm here to try to please the Lord in every area of my life. I'm not trying to be a big shot. I'm not trying to be a know-it-all. I don't have to have the chief seats in the synagogue. I could care less about those things. I want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and be pleasing unto him. Amen. And I hope that's your goal tonight. And uh, we're going to give an altar call here in just a minute. And I'm going to go right down here to this altar. And I'm going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to say, Lord, I need a little bit more help in these three areas. I need a little bit more help. And I'm going to invite you to come and rededicate yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, show me how to walk pleasing unto you. And I don't care if you've been in the church 50 years or I don't care if you've been in here five weeks. God says the three things that's going to make me or make me proud of you is to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. I'm going to ask the musicians and to come back tonight in the altar call. I'm going to trust the Lord to speak to you a song tonight, Barry. And by the way, while they're coming, let me say what a great job that Barry and Jessica and the praise and worship team is doing. I mean, we're just so happy to see what God's doing here at Evangel Assembly, how God's using Jonathan and Bethany. 
how God's going to continue to use them here. I'm just so happy to be a part of this church, be a part of this church family. And um, I know this wasn't an evangelistic type message, but it was the word of the living God. And it was a word that the Lord told me to speak to you tonight. I have sought the Lord for weeks about these services. And this is certainly not what I would choose because I like to preach evangelistically. I preach, like to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, those kind of things. But I'll tell you what, if you let this word get down in your spirit tonight, it will, change, it will bring healing. It will bring the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It will bring these things because when you please the Lord, when you please the Lord, God's presence shows up and does things that you can't do. Hallelujah to God. Thank you, Jesus.